Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And it's a brisk spring day in Idaho. It is. It's gorgeous, though. We overlooked our radical snowstorm on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we it saw it through to the afternoon to where do. it looked like spring again. Yeah, but in no. the morning was a real tantrum. It's just, just like sleet and fire and hail. Yeah, do just... not believe you're coming out of the winter. <laughs> <laughs> and it covered everything in snow. Just it was everywhere. It was sticking. It was piling around, and then it was gone by the afternoon. Yeah, gone though. Vanished. Yep. But yeah. we we weathered that, and now we're on the other side, and we're entering the phase of the year that is just blindingly busy. Yeah. No, and it doesn't it get less so year after year. It doesn't chill out ever. And I feel like I should have been getting myself into condition for this. I should have been pacing my activities I'm not sure you better. can. No, I don't think not. you can. I think it always comes and beats no. us up this time of year. Yeah, we've got a big spree of things that I have to host in my house. A lot of spree of things I have to host not in my house. <laughs> it's just a lot of things, yep. you know? This is stuff. this is how it goes. The mm-hmm. the year turns, and then we get to kind of a little bit of a deadpan, and when school's out, as soon as school's out, this there's that moment of glory. Speaking of pacing yourself and getting yourself into fighting shape for these things, I think I need to start right now thinking about June, because June hits me with a weird. Oh, it's just weird. It's like every year you get out of school and then you kind of, I don't know, I feel like I kind of wander around being like, I'm going to need to, no, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go over here and do this. And mm. <laughs> and then it rains and then I feel like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's, it's like, and then I feel like I get in the swing of it June by July, not, but June then it's not, too late. June is not that for me because I have I don't to feel, go off of my teaching schedule. I don't I have, have to, a teaching yeah. schedule and then no teaching schedule. I have schedule. to optimize my June. Yeah. Well, it's actually like for years when Luke would travel, when all the kids were little, mm-hmm. er, when Luke would travel, I'd do fine while mm-hmm. he was on a trip. If intense, yeah, fine. Yeah. But like after he got back was when I would no longer be good at it. Like yeah. when he'd be back or for a long time when I had the false perspective that the evenings was when I was done with work. Like yeah. where you feel like, well, I just have to make it to dinner. And I don't know why I thought I yeah, just had to make no. it to dinner because really it went through until like 10 o'clock or something. <laughs> but this imaginary idea that Luke was coming home at the end of my work day as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just kind of like, yeah. yeah, this, I work until dinner time, but I don't mm-hmm. know what that was about. But it didn't, what it didn't do was make me effective to have a false finishing point yeah and i think that that's what would happen when he would go on a trip is you're all geared up for the time yeah, like just gone. till wednesday and i'm like hungered down and you'd be yeah. like but he'll be home at three o'clock and for some reason you thought at that point is when you're gonna be done then yeah like when he gets here at three then uh-huh. i can hand in my jersey and take yeah. up like, yeah. like actually no so through the years i got far better at 
anticipating that and thinking, right. okay, this is going to be a temptation for me to mm-hmm. not keep things going yeah. as soon as he gets back. But then my kids got older and it is not the same thing now because you actually can talk to... When Luke is gone, there are still people, they're still near yeah. adults in the yeah. house. When they were all little kids and babies, yeah. it was a different scene. Yeah, that no, was totally true. And now I find that the times that I have that are weirder than others is holidays. It's because it's, but it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about, which is like, when is there a time that you like don't, didn't know what to expect? And because you don't know what to expect, you end up doing a weird mill about. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do at holidays right now. Oh, yeah. It's because my kids are older and more competent. And so instead of me being the person who's like, these are all the things I need to make for Easter and I'm hustling around to get it all together, I'm going to do it. I feel like I'm just standing in the kitchen while my kids are like, here's what I'm going to make. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but what am I for? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And it's a good thing. It's just like a, it's a different it's like a different thing to prepare yourself for that you're going to feel uh-huh. weirdly uh-huh. unsure of what your job is. Yeah. I feel like if I know in advance what I'm trying to get done in that weird lull, and I'm fine. I'm totally great. It's when I'm casting about through the kind of post-it notes in my brain you trying to know, do triage. It's the worst when you have like basically a really really loaded rolodex of possible yes. projects and you and none of them have been they've not been no. strategically organized they've not come to the top yet and no so, and like your idea to paint a picture to put in the bathroom yeah. is at the same level as like something far more urgent yeah and you just can't and you you keep feeling like oh once june comes then i'll do all those things and so then june comes and you've got this weird clog of ideas that are all there but you can't sift them mm-hmm. yeah this is a thing that i wrote about in fit to burst but it it's a reality and that is the fact that when you are a mother and a homemaker and your your decisions are your own like mm-hmm. you are the boss but you're also the employee yeah and you could be bad at both positions yeah, you or you can be good mm-hmm. at both positions mm-hmm. but Whichever way it is, it's sort of a three-legged race with the two jobs that you have, which is mm-hmm. like when you're setting your goals and you're thinking about what matters and how should I be accomplishing it, mm-hmm. you want to be a realistic boss and yeah. not do that weird pie in the sky, like, like yeah. I will rise at 4 a.m. and I will, you know, you yeah. pack way too many things in and then you just be rude about your own performance all mm-hmm. the time to yourself. Have we have we covered before in this venue the A. A. Milne poem about the sailor my grandfather knew? Because I don't think so. That one sums it up for me a lot of the time. Do you remember that one? No. Really? Was there Give once a was key. a sailor my grandfather knew who had so many things which he wanted to do <laughs> that whenever he thought it was time to begin he couldn't because of the state he was in. <laughs> It's like he was shipwrecked and lived on an island for weeks and he wanted a hat and he wanted some breeks, I think. Anyway, and he goes from one thing to the next and he he decides he can't make his hat till he has his little hut and he can't start the hut until he's gotten some goats. It's so relatable. And he can't get the goats unless he gets his needle and thread and he can't do that unless he... And then then the, the conclusion of the matter is that... um. 
And so in the end, he did nothing at all but basked on a shingle wrapped up in the shawl. <laughs> and I think it was shameful the way he behaved. He did nothing but basking until he was saved. <laughs> But the whole poem is this big to-do list. It's and it's, good. It's, it's good. just how my June it feels. It feels just like that. June <laughs> June is back on an island with too many things to do. And, and she ends up basking, basking on a shingle. A sh- on the that's, shingle. What she, that's what she does Wrapped instead. In a, in a shawl. So if you drive by Becca's house and you see her... Because uh, sometimes you see their dog out on yeah. their roof. So, yeah. Becca, you could do that, too. Go bask on the shingles with Dottie, and we'll know what's happening. Oh, I know. Anyway, so that's my... You um, reminded me by bringing up a... Uh, by bringing up a desert, a desert island. Mm-hmm. You reminded me of that great joke about the guy who was on a... Stuck on an island by himself, and when he was finally rescued... People were like, how have you been living? And he's like, I'll show you around. And it's like, here's the little hut. And here's where I kept my, you know, you know, Robinson Crusoe style. How you had your wild goats pinned Mm -hmm. in and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and this is the church I built for Mm -hmm. myself. And they're like, well, what's that building over there? And he says, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) (laughs) so accurate that you only need yourself to cause a church split you really all you need is you (laughs) and you can do it this is this is very much the case ben and i were just talking about this the other day that there are some people i think that can't stay in one church for longer than seven years or something like they're you know like long enough to become a big part of things but they can't Mm -hmm. stick it out because he was preaching through um well, he's preaching through John, but whatever chapter we're on, this is bad. I don't remember what chapter it was. Um, but Jesus talking about... It's just one of the things you you're abide. supposed to do that you're not doing. No, it's it's the abiding. Yeah, it's the vine, it's, vine dresser. But I like, want to say that's Abiding 14, is but. hard because the thing is, he's talking, he's addressing the, a crowd that actually believes in him. So yeah. it's like he had he had been talking to them and then it's he turns to the people who believed... And then that... I said 14, but it's 15. Okay. Nice. So... Well, I was wrong. Well... But, but I was close. Ballpark. I did say that I was thinking 15 yeah. in my head. Okay. But I was too Okay, vague. sorry. Abide. But anyway, it's like... It starts off... The crowd is the crowd that believes in him. And it ends with them trying to stone him. Mm-hmm. And he is saying, if you abide in me. Because that's the thing is, it's easy to get the belief at the front end but it's the abiding that is hard for people it is Mm -hmm. hard and i do think that that is a in many ways i know that christ is talking about about the the ultimate abiding but it's hard to abide even in the smaller think about the parable of the wise man versus the foolish man building their house on the sand or on the rock Mm -hmm. that the thing that's noticeably the same in both of their lives is the storms and the floods and the wind and the effort yeah, but the like they're one of in. them built a whole house on the sand and one, but the the reality is that it's not like if you build your house on the rock, you won't have to withstand a flood or the storm right. or the wind. The point is, it really matters that it be on the rock if you have mm-hmm. any hope at all of surviving it. Mm-hmm. But you could you could feel like you meant to survive it all when mm-hmm. you're just building it yeah. on like affection for another family or you're building mm-hmm. your church life on. Um, kind of like we felt more welcomed here so we're 
Yeah. You know, well, I think this is the phenomenon of the midlife crisis. It's hard for people to continue. It's like there's this. Well, especially when you feel like you reach a decisive point in your life where you see that things are, you know, like where it's sort of like. There's a moment where you have to face reality that all the dreams you dreamed when you were 18 are not all coming true. That you legit needed to have gotten off your shingle a long time ago and done some of those things if you were ever going to do it. Uh-huh. No, but like there's a, there's a way in which you could be like weird, but I actually don't have time now to be a French teacher. And I yeah. used to always think that's yeah. what I wanted to do, but uh-huh. I can't, or right. I wanted to be still really cool or something, you know, yeah. something that just, but there are a lot of people who burn down a lot of stuff and you think, like, why on earth would you do that? Why would you torch your family? Why would you torch your house? Why would you torch your reputation? Why would you do all of these things? And it's that, like, it actually is hard to abide. It, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, you can't, uh, it's not a coast. If you're coasting, no. you will not abide. <laughs> and actually, this is a thing that I don't know. I know that sometimes when people stop abiding, when people are leaving and it, just to be clear, we're not equating any given church membership no, no, with no. being Sometimes actually, you got to get out of there. Sometimes the way you abide in Christ is to bomb Cut your way ties. out of the church and go For somewhere sure. else. But my point is that sometimes people, like when people do that, they they it hurts the people who are abiding. Right? That you have all these people there who just get so grieved and so hurt and so kind of traumatized by someone else's flame out. Yeah. Right? Well, it's terrible to watch. It's hard to watch. But when it does happen, one of the things that people often don't think about is the fact that it's it's a blessing when the, the spirit is a wind that drives chaff away. Yeah. And if people are revealing bad attitudes or sin problems or whatever, that it's not that actually to yearn desperately to keep them there is to resist mm-hmm. the work of God mm-hmm. also. Like, yeah. not that, that I mean to be clear, to keep them there on any terms. Yes. Like, you should yearn all the way to keep them there on God's terms yeah. of resolving things in a way Uh that honors him. And, you know, so I'm not saying, I just mean the, when people are like, whatever it takes, we need to do it to keep these people here. It's like, no, that's, it's a way of trying to build your house on a different kind of sand. Like, and occasionally if you, to change the metaphor, if there is a tumor growing and you decide to woo it along that is not the way. Not the Sometimes the tumor being cut out is the best thing for the body. And if you were like, but we have to be kind and we have to empathize let's and we have to hide whatever. it. It's like, let's just help this to grow and it can just kill everything. You know, like that's the, mm-hmm. sometimes the, it, it can be a real toxic presence and the cutting it out doesn't always have to be leaving. We got rid of them. Sometimes it's just repentance is cutting out the toxic whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should be hoping for. Yeah. Um, But not at all costs. We must continue to, you know, no, like it's just not on any terms. We'll, we'll do this thing. That's sort of like when you hear, like, it's a great thing to be devoted to your husband or devoted to your wife. 
but not when you hear people being like, no matter what, through all, like, I would never leave you, or I would never, for instance, I'm realizing that I'm sounding like I'm just saying your wedding vows are stupid, which is not (laughs) what I mean at all, but I mean, like, I saw a horrific story one time, a long time ago, it was about a woman who, I mean, it was just awful, but it was a woman who had killed multiple of her own babies, you know, like that she had okay. smothered them. And her big reveal was when she was convicted of it, when like they figured out that it was not multiple babies dying of SIDS, which is mm. what okay. it had gone off as. When she was convicted of murder, murdering her own children, she did a big debut in the courtroom about how she did it because she loved her husband so much, like she couldn't bear to have less of his attention. Oh my word. On her. Yeah, it was grotesque. But that that he was like, and I also love you, you know. Yeah. Like, that he was willing, like, even though he didn't know about it and he was not part of it. Mm-hmm. He was, it was clearly a deeply devious commitment to each other. That wasn't that, a deal breaker That wasn't, like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was like, he was like, oh, I see your point. Or, you know, it was a really weird thing. But the, the thing I mean by that is, of course, that's an extreme situation, but it's also not uncommon to have the seeds of that level of behavior going on in, in love, you know, in love thinking like, no matter like, well, for instance, we've talked about this before about if a man just goes apostate and his wife just goes along with him to yeah. keep the peace, the peace. in the home right. that that it just reveals that she never had any com- well, conviction at the outset. It's like that quote of the little patriotic, um, whoever it was who said, my country, may she always be right, but right or wrong, my country. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, there is a nobility to that that is sort yeah. of admirable. And there's also a way in which that could be the most perverse, terrifying totally. sentiment. Totally. Because you just have to put it, like, you put it with a little American flag and sort of Americana, and it seems just so yeah. sweet and touching. You put it with Nazi Germany not touching anymore. You know, like... Now, even though it... Even though for many, many people who went along with what was happening in Nazi Germany, their compromises seemed much smaller than they... Right. Than they... Were revealed to be later. Later, it was yeah. revealed to be, in every way, heinous what you've been involved in. Right. But there was so much sort of like, oh, you're patriotic. I've been listening to a book that I've read before anyways. All the light we cannot see. And um, and one of the things that just really struck me is the last time I read it was not that many years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think I read it when I was nursing Moses. So mm-hmm. five years ago, six years ago. Okay. And, um, and, but there, you know, it's stories of, it's during World War II and whatever. There's a little German boy in it that in his whole life. But in his letters from to and from his sister, when he's like been taken off in the like Hitler youth stuff Mm -hmm. and he's into radios and doing all this stuff, but he's, he's telling himself falsehoods Mm because he's an orphan boy, you know, he has no, it's a sad character, you know, to think of someone getting sucked off into that debauchery but his sister has no his sister is far less deluded about it all but in their letters to each other it's like everything is redacted everything is um censored 
Oh, right? Wow. And so when he would get his letters from his sister, like most of it would be censored. He couldn't see what she was saying. Wow. And if anything would happen, like we can't get socks or people were dying, it would all be censored information because it didn't go along with the view of the right, Reich the and the glory mm-hmm. and the we conquer and we can't be stopped. So like as, so things would be like, would be criminal to make a comment on the poorer quality of their uniforms or something like over time. But it was really weird that in that five year gap since I had read it, that our own society has become so censor happy. Yeah. Like like, we're like, you know, I didn't see that coming. No. That we were just about to be where it was like you Mm -hmm. say the election was written censored. Yeah. You know, like, or this, we'll black that out with a Sharpie. And so yeah. that you can't tell what someone else was even. You have to visit this Thank website you. for accurate information yeah. on COVID. Please. Oh, yeah. You know what I saw yesterday? There's been a lot of much worse things. So this is a really petty thing to get incredibly okay. cheesed off about. Yeah. I acknowledge All that. Right. Just looking up a recipe. And I've never been entranced by the idea of using rose water. So... I saw one with rose water, and I was just thinking that seems soapy to me. Okay. However, I love orange blossom water, which is also very soapy. So mm-hmm. I was had a question in my mind of, have I misjudged yeah. rose water? Okay. So I look at this recipe for rose water pastry cream or something. Like I was like, okay. I wonder what that's like. But you know what? There was a little big blockade on the recipe. It was like... As fabulous as this recipe is, if you do not own rose water, then like all caps, do not by any means like endanger the world by going out to procure (laughs) rose water. (laughs) Like, like it was like a flashing obey the rules and don't get rose water if you're not supposed to be going out of the house because of COVID. Oh, like it was giving oh. us a big warning gazoo about not <laughs> stepping outdoors to procure rose water. And, and somehow it seemed like the next frontier to me. Like, like <laughs> I was thinking this is some kind of a climate concern. No, the concern no, no. was, don't you dare go out of the house. If you, if you don't have, if rose, you don't have water. rose water, it's over for you. Oh, but I felt like that was word. the most bossy, intrusive, well, petty little know, thing. I think it feels to me like the whole country, no, the whole world, all in one fell swoop, developed an acute case of agoraphobia. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, now we're just all panicked to go outside. We're panicked if other people go outside. We're just panicked about the whole concept of outside. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly... For such trivial matters as rose water. <laughs> well, just, I, I couldn't even with that. I felt like, <laughs> lest you endanger everyone well, by commuting somewhere where they sell rose water. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I did it. I wasn't even interested in the rose water, really. And it made me feel like, well, I'm a gonna, I'm a gonna <laughs> go drive around town and look for rose water. I'm gonna go in places I know don't have it and just say, do you have any rose water? That's what that's what my friends oh, were just saying word. that they call their inner internet troll, which is <laughs> <laughs> apparently we all have one. Yeah. We all have an inner yeah. internet troll that would like to go out trolling people. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah, but I, that was the first time I'd seen that 
Well, that is really... Like, let me interrupt. I feel like the recipes of the world have been as interrupted as they can possibly bear without turning it into public health announcements. <laughs> like, you can't get through a recipe to so save true. your life. And why, though? Because I feel this. Because if I share a recipe, you do get a lot of questions about the things that you would okay. like to just assume. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you go look at a recipe, why do they just be like, first let's talk about my childhood. Dried beans. No, like they have to give a comprehensive background on each ingredient. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or they're like, first off, let's Legumes. talk about how long you can store butter. And you're like, why? I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. I wanted to see your recipe. Yeah. And I- they... That little button skipped a recipe. Yeah. That was a genius idea. But sometimes I think I don't see it. Yeah, no. And so no. then you're... One you time one time it. I made a whole recipe for something. Okay. And I was like, well, whatever. I guess I'm just trying to make... I think it was for Sabbath and I already knew that I was not going to be hitting their quantity. Mm-hmm. Like I just wasn't actually doing the math. I was like, okay. I'll just kind of freewheel with this concept mm-hmm. that I see here. Mm-hmm. But at some point I went back to look at something and I was like, man, this is a really not specific recipe. Like mm, this is yeah. really, it's odd that they didn't tell me how much of what yeah. thing to put here. And I just pressed on with it. Much later I realized that I cooked the whole thing off of the like opening allusions to the <laughs> ingredients. Like there was a recipe with the actual data down below, but That's instead amazing. I was just looking at the bullet point sort of well, here's who you can expect to see in this recipe. I feel like my my peak was the time that I needed to find out like threw baked potatoes in, but I was like how long does that take to bake? Is it like 45 well, minutes? The answer is, it longer? is too long. You know, but but it was like I should time this, so I, I Google it. How long do you need to bake a potato? And there was a legit website that some diligent soul is no doubt paying to maintain, and it's called something like howtobakeapotato.com or perhaps bakedpotatoes.com. Somebody's but, out there. But the ba- the best part of this was it was a step by step with photos on how to bake a potato. And so it was sort of like, step one, here's a picture of my potato. So there, you're looking at a potato. Step two is wash the potato. Now there's another picture, this time it's wet. And it was like, poke (laughs) it all over with a fork. But now it's just still a picture of the potato. It's been poked with a fork, but you can't tell. So it's here it is. It's again the if potato. If you zoomed in, you might be able to then find the dot. Put the potato in the oven. Now we have a picture of a potato in the oven. And then it was like... We blame the pioneer woman for this many, this many photo shots. after I baked it. It's still a potato. <laughs> it was just... It was like a potato in multiple settings. <laughs> Sometimes wet, sometimes hot, sometimes dry and cold, but Here's still... the person eating the potato. No, no, it was Maybe only the potato. There. No, it was just the potato in every facet. And it wasn't even, like, particularly wrinkly at the end. It still looked just like the same potato as I it had always I think the thing is, is that when it first started like that, it was a real help. And then we just glutted the market with the information. Because... But I just felt like somebody out there was like... I need to share this. And, right. and probably somebody can use it because 
Those are the people who've been busy at WikiHow. Yeah, Yeah, it is. They're handling the handling. Well, I've told you on this one when I was googling the origins of carrot cake. Oh yeah, no, we have talked about this. You're right. I've probably told my potato story too. Really? Well, that was the time when I was. We were having a talk about. Hold on one second. Yes, sweetie. How about you go build me? Where should be a house? I want a house out of Legos. Okay. Um, no. Okay. Go build a house out of Legos. Okay. Yeah. You'll be awesome. Well, Moses is going to build a house out of Legos, you guys. Well. It'll be good. That's me being a tricker of a yeah. mom. When someone's not sure what to do. Sometimes I'm like, well, for 10 minutes, you have to do yeah. that's no, and such. Last time, I think I said, you can build me a, a plane or a train or a car out of Legos, but you have yeah. to do that in 10 minutes. And he's like, okay. The first thing I hear is yelling from upstairs. Mom, is it okay if I build a one-person jet? <laughs> I'll let it go, you know? You can do a one-person jet. We'll slide I'll that allow it. Time. I was thinking a passenger plane, but <laughs> one-person jet, I'll allow It'll be all right. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, yes, yeah, so it was a carrot cake. It was the person who made oh, a full yeah. tutorial for a carrot cake, yeah, but it started with buy that. the carrot cake yeah. box mix and follow the directions. Step two. Follow the directions on the back. <laughs> See, some people might not know there are directions on the back. So that's a help in just in itself. I don't think, I think it's just a weird, like, how thankful we are for the people who bother with this no, sort of no, data stuff because but, we use it. But there are people that clearly the burden is there for them to catalog their information. That's what dad likes to think of those people. Like yeah. people who had the talent for some of these things that it's like, but they yeah. lived in the wrong time to really. Oh, I know. See, let I've always it shine. About, <gasps> Becca, this was a. Th- oh, you say what you were gonna say. No, I was just gonna say like, you know, imagine if you had Michael Jordan, or you know something, but maybe he was born like in Assyria in the eight hundreds, where they didn't have basketball. So how would he ever know? That he was so gifted he at it. Just and then you probably think, excelled but, in something but else. What didn't is he? it that we missed, Rachel? Like where Where could I have I know really been something? What if good? we had been born in, you know, I the have Ukraine a, this is a funny thought. in the Middle Ages. I we have, might have been fascinatingly good at something. Okay, I've been cracking myself up with this lately. You will you will enjoy this. Okay. So my uh I have this I have this uh, well, okay, you know the kind of aesthetic ideals where people are like wanting to go in for a certain, oftentimes older. Like, so say you are into an older kind of, I prefer thinking things like linen clothing and wooden bowls okay. and uh, sure. not any plastic in our house. Okay. And yeah. I want to, like, let's live and appreciate the old ways yeah. and the yeah. slower methods and the raise yeah. your own food and the, you know, the women who were, like, having a lot of admiration for those women like Martha yeah. Washington, yeah. which we should have a lot yeah, of admiration for them. They were pretty impressive, impressive women. Yeah. But I was thinking how funny it is that we attribute to them some aesthetic positions yes, yes. that are We're almost certainly not necessity. theirs. Yes. yes. 
And I was thinking how funny it is to imagine someone like, say, Abigail Adams coming over to your house and being like, you got to see my Tupperware bowls. Yeah. And how funny it is to think of the things that they would be like, I cannot even believe you have this luxury. Right. Right? Like, what do you think their thoughts would be on saran wrap? Or Ziploc bags. Yeah. Like, I think they would be... A fridge. They would be stoked. Or when you were like, look, I just snagged a box of butter at the store. A box in pre-measured cubes. Think of that. Mm -hmm. Or or your oven that you just beepity beep it on to something. Or how, how much of our life is like that they're... What they actually were trying to accomplish was feeding people and clothing people and keeping the space clean. And I'm not saying they had no aesthetic opinions or that we shouldn't also have that, but that the reality is they cared far more about what was being accomplished than just sort of the, the, um, yes. Anyways, it's a funny thing to try to look at your own life with your indoor toilet. Oh, I know the quote that I remember, um, Oh my word. That brings up another weird speculation I've had. No, but on on this topic though. Um a quote that I've tried to track down at various times and I couldn't ever find the actual source of it because it's like it's often quoted but yeah, never footnoted very well. So anyway, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but it was supposed to be from a in a letter from a pioneer woman. Mm. Not the pioneer woman, but a pioneer woman who said something about her quilts that she said, I make my quilts, you know, sturdy to keep my family Family warm warm, and I make them beautiful to keep my heart from breaking. And that is such an interesting and lovely and so on point perspective about where the aesthetic fell Mm -hmm. in terms of like how your priorities would be ordered. Right. Because we don't, really have the first part even on our radar. Yeah, we're so... I mean, we have so much luxury. Yeah. That we don't have... We don't even evaluate some of those things. Yeah. What were you gonna... What were you saying? Your other tangent was... You said with your indoor toilets. And I'm like, oh, Rachel, you bring up a question that I always have in the, like... Imagine these sort of Jane Austen balls at fabulous, Mm -hmm. fabulous palatial estates Mm -hmm. but if you had to be like where's your restroom you know like what what I just what happens there like (laughs) did you send somebody to clean the outhouse before your guests arrived no I don't think they used outhouses well not the palatial estates but let's say you're just in Idaho and you have your little outhouse on the farm and then you have got company for dinner do you say no, I think it's weirder Kids than that. Kids run clean I think up the outhouse? No, I think it's the era of chamber pots, which is much weirder to think of that. Stepping into a chamber no, pot just, closet? It's a, it's, much more, it's a much more awkward endeavor, but it is actually... In every way. Yeah, but it's actually more what happened. But see, yeah, but like... So, yes, I'm sure that you had chamber pots and maids for the chamber pots back in those palatial estates. But one of the glories, like, did you send your guests to the outhouse? Because 
What a time. Like, what did you have a special guest outhouse? Just well, but it's worse than that. I feel like we're really going off on the dark times discussing oh, this. No, we probably but shouldn't. In the era of pull back from the, the way break. the undergarments were all designed in the era of hoop skirts and such was Yeah, but not at people's houses. I mean, outdoors, like, yes. anytime outdoors, the plan was to just go as you needed to. But that was only in very specific hoop skirt moments because that does not work at all in regions well, of carp. No. I can't believe we're on this topic. We've got to stop. <laughs> We've got to stop. Well, what I'm saying is thank the Lord about your toilets. Just yeah. let's all just take Be a moment. Grateful. Good job. You don't have to clean the outhouse Be for guests. Be glad. Be glad that why, that's why not are we one here? of the things. How did we? How can we reverse out of this? I topic? think you brought us here, actually. Because you brought I, us no, here. You yes, did. you did. You, you said indoor is, toilets. Well, I just said be thankful for your toilet. I didn't go posit the whole pre-toilet scenario. But well, the Romans, are... but the Romans invented the toilets with running water. Yeah, no, they had, and but... so it was an old concept of how much better it would be. Rachel... But like, like, think of all the eras when people just chucked the sewage out into out the streets the window, because where know? else were you going to put it? There was no solution. But see, the Romans did do this. But I went. It, I... Uh, that's. That's I, the darkest of all possible yeah. things. We can't talk about okay, that. All right, fine. We're going to talk about the, the exploding no, toilets. Yeah, the things that happened to, at Roman I know, toilets. I read a whole article about this, you guys. <laughs> it's like it brought me into this new world of like why of gratitude and thanksgiving for not having. They had the technology to have flushing toilets, but what they didn't have apparently was traps in the sewers, whatever that means, like the hook and the pipe or whatever, and so things would would come up the sewers from the ocean and so there was one record of this house that was having a giant octopus coming up into the house every night and raiding the pantry (laughs) and so they preferred not to have sewers in the house because of these problems well i would prefer to not also if your options were was Indoor no. sewers with a large octopus coming no. at it. No, you gotta you gotta go to Plan sewers. B. And yeah. they also had the occasional exploding toilets because of somehow the pressure Gases or something. pressure in the sewers. Yeah, so I think all the in toiletry all, was it. There's a much sketchy. to thank the Lord for <laughs> with your facilities that you have and, and your abilities because you didn't have like people used to be. I mean, you used to really have to do things that you can delegate to other minds right now or you had to do it or you had to have a trained cook or someone because of how much you wouldn't have known how to do if you also had to try to weave that like there was not enough time or mental capacity yeah to get all of this stuff done no everybody's into trash talking the industrial revolution but But, i'd like to see any of us try to live without it (laughs) i really was it really took me for a trip because you when people say things like you know back when people were you know just grinding their their flour for their bread and it was also great except for what it was also at times when they had like zero rodent control and you yeah, had no. mice and stuff in and the you probably wheat. had scurvy too because probably. you were you were only eating local produce and, and they <laughs> local used to, seasonal produce well we live in a we live in a place I just said that the other day as I was peeling a cutie and I said we're so rich because yeah. I can have a cutie Right now, and there's no cutie growing facilities no. anywhere near mm-hmm. us. 
and we've just been through this long winter and I was thinking can you even imagine we already are really excited to see asparagus Yes. But imagine if oh, you'd yeah. spent a winter of only eating like venison and a potato yeah. and what other else you could lay away in this yeah. root cellar. A lot of root veg. And then when an asparagus came up, I think that might be where a lot of our great music actually comes from. <laughs> the arias. They, I think the arias <laughs> might actually have been what people just had to do yes. because yes. of asparagus. Because they had to be like... You're like, I cannot express what I feel. <laughs> it's like, no wonder our music skills have really it. slid downwards. <laughs> no, and like we have no profound emotions We don't anymore. have profound enough emotions because we can buy produce year round. <laughs> I like this as a theory. I think it's a good theory. Mm-hmm. I think you could put it mm-hmm. forward. You could mm-hmm. get it out there and really be yes. like, because actually I'm one of these people who can't do with a life of just carbs like you know how mm-hmm. I think you just people have different have yeah. different like if I'm starving I want fruit like when I'm really like oh when my you're word starving yeah see sometimes I want fruit but I think when I'm starving I want something more significant than fruit when I say starving here's what I'm saying I eat other things I'm talking about the thing I'm most likely to feel super crazy about, it's mm. never like a cracker or something. Oh, like sure. what I really want is not a pretzel and peanut butter. What I want Got is it. some fruit. And I think it's just because I assume the sugar and fruit is the quickest, it, for me, is the quickest pull you out of oh, the, like, sure. I'm going into a mental coma because I'm so <laughs> hungry or whatever. Sure. I assume that's why. But a lot of my children are that way, too. Like, they... they that is what will make us go yeah. to the grocery store in an emergency. <laughs> we could have eggs and cheese and bacon, and we would be restless. We would be a family full of people being like, but get me a piece of fruit or I well, die. See, we were talking about this yesterday. Or I tomatoes would... go big in our house. Well, Everybody tomatoes, eats tomatoes. Yeah, true. And yeah. I do love fruit and I love veg, but I, we were saying yesterday, I, if I had a choice between the chocolate on the left or the Doritos on the right... Would just go salty every time. Like, every yeah. time. I just, like, I like chocolate. It's fine. But I would pick the chips mm-hmm. or the fries or the something salty. It's yeah. like, that's just definitely where I would go. I see that. I think what I was, what I was, uh, what I was getting at, what I meant, is that imagine people like that who are super in it for the fruits and oh, veg. Yeah. Yeah. Having to live through a winter. No. Because scurvy. I like no, I think they're probably I think, the scurvy susceptible. I just am aware. <laughs> I think we are because the amount of fruit my family puts away, the fruit yeah. and veg quantities. Like yeah. I cannot imagine trying to battle us back to be like, no, yeah, potato. you have to potato, potato. bread, venison. Yeah, what else? Cabbage, maybe some wild hog, maybe mm, wild boar. Yeah, it wouldn't be good, is what I'm telling you. So I do think the depth of emotion, we've never faced it before. (laughs) I know. And it is funny because we can go buy it all year round. I'm going to have to go look at some arias and see which one I think came came about (laughs) because of asparagus. Dear asparagus. Dear asparagus. This changes everything. Ode to an asparagus. (laughs) I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident it would be really, really bad for me without. That's funny. Without yeah. vegetables from other places in my life. That's yeah. Well, I just I do think it's all great 
and noble to talk about eating only local seasonal produce but for us we'd be, be well we'd dog. be dead actually there are some there's a lot of not seasonal produce at all we would be just kind of <laughs> scraping around in the well our seasonal it's we we would just be relying heavily upon the the legume class, because, but even that's not seasonal because you'd have to dry it. Yeah, but and I get think you that that the counts as, as at least local. Well, it's local not seasonal. No, but everybody says only eat local and seasonal, which means we would be able to eat in October, <laughs> <laughs> September. Maybe I, mean, I assume that they allow you to eat the things that are keep through more seasons. So then we would have a rollicking diet of cream of wheat. <laughs> And <laughs> lentils. And that would be all. And then we'd have a real no. big time on apples and plums in the fall. Yeah, but and that's then what I mean by October. We would get cherries. We would have cherries. And then apples and plums. And then we'd have to go back to the dried beans. And... <laughs> It'd be rough. It would be rough. If you lived, say, in, oh, I don't know, the Garden of Eden or perhaps <laughs> California... You're going to be all right, probably. You know, you're going to be harvesting up your fresh lemons all year long. And you're going to be having a nice avocado. But yeah, cute for you that you have an orange us, tree in the backyard. But in the wilds of Idaho. Think of it. Think of it. in the blizzards right you now. You can't ask this of us. No. Yeah. No. Anyways, the reality is it should just make us all very thankful. But thankful we have, for sure. Yeah, that we have actually the resources to not own chickens but to still and get it you know eggs. what to be honest to try and tie together some of these rambling threads that we have thrown out here i do think that gratitude and a sense of perspective is actually the key to what we were talking about earlier with abide yeah because the restlessness is usually always driven by discontent with here you know like yeah. like getting disillusioned with here Getting tired of your duties here, getting sick uh-huh. of your blessings here, uh-huh. and feeling like just around the corner is there's there's something else new and exciting, and and this of course is massively fueled by our culture of follow your heart. I want to say time. I want to say another thing about that though. Another way to abide is that it can. I have seen this happen multiple times, so I'm you know I what know that this happens. Okay. So. For many people, becoming, you know, when you become a Christian, that's a huge transformation. For many people, they feel almost that level of transformation when they, like, become reformed Mm -hmm. or they become covenantal or they become post-mill. And they feel this, like, this changes everything and, like, everything makes more sense and everybody, you know, like, and they have this huge rush, you know, when they're kind of in the cage stage yeah. This rush of like delight and I can't believe it yes. and God's promises are real and you know, whatever. And that's, it's nothing wrong with that. But I have seen multiple times people who are not able to then settle yes. into just living faithfully with those beliefs. Well, it's like the women, isn't it? Yes, always, always learning and never, never coming, coming to, to a knowledge. knowledge of the truth. Yeah, and so, and it's easy for people to be become almost addicted to the to the act of coming into a new way of understanding things. Yeah. I think we've all lived through a lot of people just doing that. Yeah. Like a whole lot of the church going woke yeah. is people who don't have the the personal discipline right. to stay in truth. 
but are instead looking for the next thing that will give them an emotional rush of coming into a different knowledge. Like, oh, I've just come into understanding this. And they... They're desperate for that, for the sensation of learning a new thing. And abiding is all about the steady faithfulness of living in the things that have been established for a long time. Like, even if you're new to them. Well, it's the same principle as the person who's trying to recapture the feeling of being in love, you know, or recapture the feeling of infatuation, you know? And it's like when you have a long, steady marriage infatuation isn't supposed to be the defining feature right no there. and on the idea and that you'd be 20 years in, in, into a marriage and be like i just get an electric shock when yeah. my husband it's holds like, my hand it's like something it's is like wrong with you weird. Yeah, that, because, the wiring is not correct if you're still if you're yeah. still having those and having it gone isn't well it's not always isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's replaced by something deeper and stronger and more long lasting. But if you are mourning the loss of the first thing, right. And so you throw away the second trying to recapture that again. Well, I think it's, I think it's not actually believing what you think you believe because, because for instance, say, say you come into the not like say it's a theological position or say, well, you're talking about the relationship. Say you're, you fell in love because you're like, we want to build a Christian family and we want to do all of this. Well, well, that love is a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing. And there's nothing in the world wrong with young love and, and a moment where everything is new and everything is, uh, different but the whole point from the beginning was to establish something that would last for a really long time and if you just use your common sense you realize that it's never going to last for a really long time when it is this youthful brand new surprising thing happening and that the whole goal is to become old grandparents together and like and 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 it's like learning to plant in one place and stay there instead of and to receive the blessings of one stage without refusing to be open to the next one like being grateful and being full of gratitude but still being glad to to be carried by the lord to the next And people, I feel like it's too easy to get caught up in looking back at the thing you lost or looking ahead at the thing that you are trying to grasp and missing where you are right now. And I think that that is the thing that, that, um, obviously like what I was talking about earlier, the abiding in Christ is a much more fundamental faith you know, for the long haul. But I think there are all of these little ways that we have to abide as well. And I think it's the thing of if you are faithful in little, you will be faithful with much. And you can't expect to be faithful in in the big capital A abiding if you can't abide in the daily, just the daily grind, the little right. things. And, and, and even the daily, like, like, for instance, that isn't it specifically that verse you quoted? Isn't it specifically about the women? Yeah, I think so. It is specifically saying, and I think that there is a reason for that. Yeah. And part of that is that you can just, it's like that excitement of something new is compelling when you're not being content and grateful for what exactly. you're currently needing to do. Right. And so that desire to like, get to the next good place where maybe something is there. Mm -hmm. It's a way of just being restless. But that Proverbs 31 woman about the heart of her husband safely trusts in her. That is a, that is an example of the fact that 
being restless is a thing that you do not want to be. And I think that there is a, there's a way in which, um, okay, weird metaphor, but I was watching this thing. There's a lot of morel mushrooms right now that are in season and they're mm-hmm. only in season for like two to four weeks. Rachel, we need to go look for some. It'd be very fun. But anyway, yeah. there are fake morels. And it, that's really funny to me that it's like at the same time, there are fake poisonous ones and then there are the real ones. So you have to know the difference. And you and so, of course, these little mushroom clubs are very, very serious about you do not go out without your field guide. You do yeah, not no. eat things that like you have to be serious because the wrong one will kill you. Right. And I think that there is a. Um, when somebody is being faithful, when they are staying planted in the right place, God grows them up. So there are different phases and there are, there are changes and there Mm -hmm. are developments and there are, but they are pursuing the same thing. They're on the same road. Um, but they are, so it's like as if God moved you out of first grade and now you're in second and then he moves you out of second and now you're in third. And so it's like that, but then you have the other people who are big quitters they yeah. start first grade and they get sick of it. So they go to a different school and then they decide that they're going to do something else. And then they're going to enroll over here. And it, it can be like the fake morel in that it's like, yes, they, they're changing too. Yes. They, they came to this new yeah. understanding of wokeness or whatever it is, but it's a, it's actually a very fundamentally different thing because they're hopping from one thing to the next thing to the next chasing that feeling of having finally figured out the key to everything mm-hmm. like I finally discovered it I finally well, and it actually was... one of the things that should like advertising plays on this all the time like right. with those weird spammy advertisements for diets mm-hmm. it's like she finally figured out the one thing that yeah. would that would that one rid her of belly fat yeah doctors Doctors released the secret intelligence <laughs> that the inside the of other an avocado. don't want you to know. People don't yeah. want you to know that yeah. this, yeah, but everything is always about that. The, the one knowledge. thing you've been missing, yeah. the one, the one tidbit of information yeah. that will change everything yeah. and fix everything. And yeah. we can have a parallel version of that in our Christian life because there genuinely are moments when you come into an understanding of something that really does and change everything. It really and is you're genuine. like, oh my word, it's this changes everything. Everything. It's, it's the not real, the fake It's morale. not the one that will kill you. It's and and you could do either a bad case of food poisoning or you could do yes spiritual growth. I think that's actually that summarizes it. Yeah, that's that's our whole episode in a nutshell. You yeah. could do a bad case of spiritual poisoning, <laughs> food poisoning. And I think that's the thing is that like, um, I think the gratitude and the um thankfulness for where you are right here is Mm -hmm. you have to have one eye on the past and one on the future like you ought to but it's not living in the rear view mirror or living in the craned neck trying to figure out where you're going to be next like it's just the gratitude for this right here I feel like that is the thing that will help you to stick it out and not be the person flinging off into midlife crises or leaving your husband because the spark just isn't there anymore or, or leaving a church leaving the because church you moved cause... there because you thought they would be, they would be one way and then things and then, yeah. didn't work out that right. way. Yeah. So I just, I think that those are the, like, it's the small gratitude 
and the small obedience that adds up to the big gratitude and the big obedience. Over a long period of time. And it's always the small gratitude and the small obedience. So when we're talking about in a relationship. So it's not the same 10 years into your marriage as it is. But if you're always trying to hold up how your husband looks at you 10 years into your marriage as how he looked at you on your wedding day or something. Mm -hmm. You're always being full of ingratitude because you think you're treasuring one thing Mm -hmm. when you're despising the other. You're treasuring like, Oh, but I really at a cost. You're like, Oh, but I really value this. And so because of that, I am actually despising every other good (laughs) gift the Lord is giving me right now. All right, so don't do that. So hot, hot, that was a, that was our hot tip. That was the hot tip. Our hot don't, tip is don't, don't do that. Don't do that. All right, until next go time. Pick up kids. Yep. All right. Bye bye. Bye.